Well, it's great to get to continue this series, Human, as we go through the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And so far in this series, we've looked at whose story this is about, God, the creator of the universe. We've looked at our identity and value in being made in God's image. And last week, Sarah drew out our relationship with work versus rest. Now, today I'm going to be unpacking some more of Genesis 2, but specifically looking at our role as stewards of the earth. So in this creation account that we're going to hear again in just a moment, try to listen out for the detail in description and the time taken to name the rivers and celebrate what is beautiful and wonderful about it all. How precious it all is portrayed to be. Naming something gives it value and it shows that there is some sort of relationship there. It's why we give our pets names and why knowing how to pronounce and spell someone's name is actually a really loving thing to do. So let's listen to these words now read from Genesis and really pick up on where the value is placed. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. The name of the first is the Pishon, it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Ashur. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord warned him. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, there's lots of beautiful imagery in that reading, and as a visual learner myself, it's really helpful to kind of see what is being spoken. So why don't we just head outside now and, and be in and amongst nature for this next bit. Ah, didn't plan this very well. One second. Right, well, that's uh, English weather for you. Very unpredictable, but it's nice to be outside nonetheless. Now, something that I'm really looking forward to coming up is Chinese New Year. It's this Friday, and uh, as we draw the curtains on the Year of the Rat, it's only right to tell another rat story. I know Tim told one a few weeks ago, but they are a part of nature after all. So when I was growing up in Macau, when I was about seven or eight years old, uh, we moved house, we moved into a five-story flat. The top floor, there was no lift, and it was a pretty old building. And as we settled in, we started to notice a couple of strange things happening, some, some markings on our fruit and on our chocolate. And my parents drew the conclusion that we had 
a rat in the flat. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, a rat in the flat. <laughs> so anyway, my dad set out some traps and we were trying to be extra careful. And this flat had been empty for quite a few years, so it actually seemed like we were the ones who had entered the rat's space. Now finally one day, it got to the final straw, when my dad noticed that the rat had been nibbling away at the bindings on, on his books. Too far. And so my dad actually ended up chasing this rat into, into a room, knocking it unconscious, and then it, it ended up in, in, in a cage. And after all this, dad kind of got us to come over and, and look at the rat in the cage, and, and I saw it with its glossy eyes and furry little body, and with genuine sincerity, I said, can we keep it? Now I'll leave you to guess what my dad's answer was, but we'll just say I didn't get to name it. But in that moment, I could see the beauty of what God had created, even in a rat. What if we all had some more of that glimmer of admiration for God's creation? What if we all looked at the good things of this earth and said, can we keep it? Can we tend to this earth? Can we look after it well? Maybe you already feel that way, or maybe you can't be bothered. There is, in fact, a view that some people hold where everything of this world is considered bad or wicked. They think that the physical body and materials of the world are not of God, and instead, they focus on the spiritual and what comes after this world. That's the good things. Now, this is called Gnosticism, and this is heretical for multiple reasons. Heresy meaning that it doesn't go in line or goes against what we believe as Christian doctrine. But here's why. The earth is incredible and it's full of good things. God looks at all he has created in Genesis chapter 1 and says and sees that it is good. This creative God intricately designed the wonderful things of the world and people like Sir David Attenborough have made a living highlighting God's incredible works and the grandeur of nature. Why don't you just put on the chat right now on YouTube, or, or you could even text someone, uh, or if you're with someone in the room, why don't you ask them, what is something that you find beautiful about nature and creation? Let's share those insights with one another. We will all have something to say. One thing that comes to mind for me is, is that ice pattern that forms on the top of, of grass and leaves and even cars, you know, with that morning frost, just that beautiful pattern. I love it. And if you're struggling to come up with something, just go and look out your window right now. What do you see? What can you appreciate that is part of God's creation? It's no wonder doctors in places like Scotland are prescribing nature or walking in nature, taking that all in in order to combat certain illnesses because nature is good. It's good for us and it's there for us to cherish and to keep and not just as a commodity for our greed. We read in Psalm 24 verse 1 that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God created this world with a purpose and he sees that it is good. Pope Francis himself said in one of his books that if we approach nature and the environment without this openness to awe and wonder, if we no longer speak the language of fraternity and beauty in our relationship with the world, our attitude will be that of masters, consumers, ruthless exploiters, unable to set limits on our 
immediate needs. By contrast, if we feel intimately united with all that exists, then sobriety and care will well up spontaneously. One thing that has really been highlighted throughout this pandemic is how nothing is in isolation. Well, you should be if Track and Trace call you, but what I mean is every action and choice has an impact on multiple other things, beings, etc. We live in a world that is very interconnected, and so we can't act anymore like that's their problem, we have ours. Everything is connected. And yet I've had people say to me before, I'm not interested in, or I haven't got time to think about creation care. I need to focus on spreading the gospel of Jesus. Well, of course, the good news of the gospel is important, but I don't believe that it's an either or situation. Going back to chapter two of Genesis, verse 15, it says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. There's a really clear and designated purpose here for humans whilst on this earth. In the New Testament, we can read in the book of Matthew, the most important commandments for us, according to Jesus, is to love God and love our neighbor. Now, what does this have to do with looking after creation? Well, let's explore that a bit more, but maybe let's do it inside. How about that? That's a bit better, isn't it? Now, first of all, how are we loving God when we look after his creation? Well, God created the earth, as we've read, and God loves the earth. Psalm 145 verse 17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving towards all he has made. John 3.16, a really well-known Bible verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And if your best friend loves something, would you trample it, abandon it, or throw it in the bin? No, you wouldn't. You would show it care, even if just out of love for your friend. And that's the most basic level of understanding how our care for the world is part of us loving God. And perhaps in our lifetime, we've become more isolated from our relationship with the earth, where our food comes from. You know, the UK's first supermarket only started in the 1940s. That's less than 100 years ago. The way many of us live now in the West is quite a recent development. People in some countries still to this day pray for rain for their crops because their food and their lives depend on it. There's a really great connection between humans and the earth. We need each other. God made it so. And our tending to the earth can be an act of worship for God because it honors God when we care for the earth well. Do you notice that Jesus uses seeds and vines and plants and other aspects of nature in his teaching and, and in his parables? Jesus says in Matthew 6 verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So humans have value. But this also implies that the birds of the air have value as well. God cares for them. They are a part of creation. And there's so much we can learn from nature, so much about God and God's character that we can learn. Richard Foster sees this as an aspect of the discipline of study in one of his books. 
He speaks about studying nature and meditating on creation as a way that we can encounter God. The world around us is something to cherish. cherish. Surely there was a reason that Jesus would frequently go into the wilderness or onto the lake to spend time with his heavenly father. Jesus too took time out in nature to have Sabbath and rest with God and he models an appreciation for all of God's creation. And for us, do we really take the time and attention to study and appreciate God's magnificence in creation? Maybe next time you're out for a walk, or maybe even just when you're looking out the window, you might want to say a really quick prayer, thanking God for the beauty that you see. It might just be as simple as, thank you, God, for that tree. It's a really great tree. So our love for the earth is one of the ways that we can show our love for God. And the second greatest commandment Jesus sets for us is to love our neighbor, love those around us. How does looking after creation apply to that then? Well, have you ever stayed somewhere or you might remember kind of the older systems where the the hot water had to heat up in in a tank overnight and then it would be ready to use between the hours of 7 a.m. and and 9 a.m.? But if there was a group of you, you all had to form a plan and a system because you all needed a hot shower. And if one person took a 30-minute shower with the hot water, then that might mean someone later on would only get five minutes with the hot water, or worse, no hot water at all. And that's just not fair or, or just. And you don't want to be that person, that selfish person who uses all of the hot water. So there's a sense of equity that is necessary when we lovingly interact with our neighbors, near and, and far. If we aren't caring for creation, it actually comes back around and has a negative impact on ourselves as well, which we can very clearly see in climate change. Maybe if you're in the UK, that just means hotter summers and more snow in the winter. But for people who depend on the climate and natural resources, especially in poorer countries, this rapid change can be devastating. And this raises the issue of our tendency to look just after our own soil, our own bit, or our own land. What if we accept God as the owner of creation and therefore we must look and work and care for more than just what we own according to society? Instead of the not my problem or not my responsibility, what if we reached further outside of our circle to care for more of the earth? God calls us to steward the earth well not just our little patches of land. And as we know, humans depend on good earth for food and clean air, and and we love our neighbor by nurturing the earth for the sake of others, not just ourselves. You wouldn't claim to love someone and then poison their food source, right? You might notice that this is quite an important issue for the younger generation. Social action, it's, it's a hot topic. And I suppose the reason for this is that this is their future. If you're wise in your years, you might not see the detrimental impact of climate change, but children, youth, those in their 20s, they're going to be living it. Only in 2019 was there uh, hundreds of children and young people in Birmingham that walked out of school to go on a protest against the powers and corporations negatively fast-tracking climate change. The next generation is watching in the way we live our lives and impact the earth. Are we being good stewards? Are we keeping it well? Can we keep it 
better? Wouldn't it be godly to show that this was an issue that we all cared about? And wouldn't it give glory to God to say as followers of Jesus that we want to take care of the next generation and the earth they will inhabit? The way of the world is capitalism. More stuff, more money, more for me. But the way of Christians is to put others first, to look beyond ourselves and our own little patches of earth and recognize that all of it is God's earth. Your love for others can come through in the way that you care for the earth. Now, as we take this on in in our own faith, I would just urge you to make sure that creation care doesn't become a God for you in itself, but instead that it may be something we do that points people to God, where when you have a real passion for something and people ask, why do you care so much? You can instantly say, because God created this and God cares and God is a good God. And we put the focus back where it belongs on our creator God and Jesus, the savior of the world. We're going to come to a close and I'm not actually going to give any practical ways that we can be living more ethically and or how we could be good stewards of the earth because to be honest there are there are too many applications for this and there's not one mold that we're all going to fit into. You know, we all have different life circumstances, financial situations, different cultural backgrounds. And these are going to all play their part in how we steward the earth. And that's absolutely fine. But can I encourage you to do your own research? We won't be able to do it all, but we can definitely start with one thing, at least. How are you going to steward the earth? In some encouraging news, a BBC article that came out last month said that Uh, Numerous reports and studies have in fact shown that this pandemic has focused our minds on helping to create a better, healthier world. And a 2020 global survey found that 60% of people were making more environmentally friendly, sustainable, or ethical purchases since the start of the pandemic. And that 9 out of 10 of of that percentage, they were likely to continue doing so. So there is hope as well as loads of great resources and books out there for you to get started. Can I also recommend that you take a look at the videos that have been produced by our Ethical Living Justice Action and Hope team, also known as Elijah. The videos are on the Riverside YouTube channel, this one here, so you can subscribe and see them. They're all titled, How Then Shall We Live? Short and sweet, and uh, they're really great at giving some different practical examples on how to live ethically in line with our faith in Jesus. Also, when it is safe enough to do so and we're out of lockdown, maybe you want to join the Riverside Gardening Club and become part of a community that nurtures the earth together. So, lots to consider. Let me pray now just before we declare the goodness and magnificence of our amazing God in a song together using lyrics taken directly from the Bible. Father God, Creator God, we praise you for the wonders of your creation. Your majesty extends across the earth. And we're so sorry when we take your creation for granted. May we take seriously your commandments to love God and love people. May this play out in our stewardship and care for the earth. Help us to look after more than just our own stuff, our own land, what we believe to be ours. 
May our reach be further and wider as we care and keep the earth for the sake of our neighbors as well. May people see the way we cherish nature and give you the glory for the wonders of creation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.